Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals to another uh, YouTube live. Hope you guys and gals are doing exceptionally well. I love these live Q&As. It gives me an opportunity to serve you all and be able to utilize my expertise, my experience, and my exegetical um, skill set um, to be able to edify, encourage, and challenge you to go the direction that God wants you to. But if you're joining me live right now, do me a big favor and share this broadcast to as many people as possible. You're just coming in, whether on uh, YouTube later or you're watching or listening later on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening. First, I want to say thank you so much for listening, for watching, but share the video. And as you're coming in, like the video so this video can gain some traction and uh, get your questions ready for those who are in the live feed. And for those who's their very first time, it's your very first video of mine. I want to say welcome. My name is Joshua Ezzi, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. That's my job here. <clears throat> I believe that's what my calling is. So come on in. If you feel like this material is good for you, hit, make sure you uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, because no man, no woman knows the hour when Coach Josh is going to go live. So let me look at the chat box, see who's all here. And then we're going to get into the questions. In Injury of love, what's going on? Info me ASAP. Hey, what's going on, Nick? How you doing? My wife's in the building. Hey, babe. David Xavier. Hey, coach. Any advice on dealing with hate and negative? We already here. There's no need to go no further. David Xavier says, hey, coach. Any advice on dealing with hate and negativity? First off, you just got to make sure um, you don't allow the hate to debate in your mind. And what most people do, they allow another person's hate to debate against their, their security in Christ, to debate what they know about themselves, to debate against their uniqueness. And they allow that negativity to affect their positivity, neutralizing it, causing them to be negative. Um, you can't control what's thrown at you, but you can control what, how you respond and you can control how long it lasts in your life. And like I always say, I never allow somebody else to rent space in my mind longer than they should. What I normally do is if I feel offended, I process that offense immediately because if I tarry and process an offense, that offense will last longer. It will warp my day. It will, it will, uh, <clears throat> Calls my day not to go uh, the way that it was supposed to go. It will distract me. And when you begin to realize the insecurities that's in your heart, the inadequacies that you may feel, the self-hate that you may be dealing with, uh, um, another person's hate with a term will reflect either your self-love or your self-hate. Most people deal with self-hate unaware. They deal with deep-rooted issues, deep-rooted insecurities, and they allow the negativity and the hate of other people to affect them. So the real thing is, Dave, you have to examine yourself and say, okay, what is inside of me that's that's even willing or so quick to entertain what they have to do? Uh, because yeah, people are going to say things. Yes, people are going to do things, but you got to make sure that you continue to uh, uh, live a positive life. And the only way you can operate at a premium uh, positivity is through the presence of God. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says the joy, the presence of the Lord, where the presence of the Lord is, there's a fullness of joy. So when you engage with God and you enjoy God and you make that a rhythm of your life and you make that an everyday thing, then when you face negativity day in and day out, you already feel with positivity. You already feel that with the right mindset. You already strengthening God's joy and nothing can take it away. That's the song that says this joy that I have. The world didn't give it. And if the world didn't 
didn't give it, the world can't take it away. See, when you get so caught up in the world's joy, the world can take that away. If you begin to find joy in created things versus joy in the creator, the world can snatch that joy. That's That type of joy is a false sense of happiness. And when you begin to pursue happiness and, and, and the world hits that thing quickly, you'll lose it. But if you go to a place where the world can't touch and you find yourself supernatural, stained by God's joy, then no matter what hate, or negativity is thrown your way, you neutralize it with kindness, you neutralize it with empathy, you neutralize it with self-respect, you neutralize it with self-love, you neutralize it with self-care, and all of that is found in the perfect, perfecting love of Jesus. So, hey, coach, any advice on dealing with hate? First off, you got to ask yourself, what, what hate is what hate and negativity are you allowing consistently to, to affect you? Write that down in a sheet of paper. This is the type of um, hate. This is the type of words. This is the type of, of body language. This is the type of thing that bothers me. So, And I want you to look at that thing on paper and say, and really write, why does it bother you? And then you'll look at your heart. Your heart will come to the surface. You'll be like, man, I really struggle with some insecurities. Or I really made this person... Um, I'm too too valid in my life. And, and 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 anytime I feel hate from somebody, I have to check myself because I have to say, why do I have to defend myself? Why am I gonna succumb? Because there's a saying that says two people arguing from a distance both look like fools. It doesn't matter how dignified how much um accomplishment you have, it doesn't matter how uh, uh whatever you are from a distance, you look crazy. So the best thing is say, you know what, I'm gonna keep my character, I'm gonna keep my name. But you neutralize your automatic emotional response by engaging God's joy. Enjoy means enter his joy and make that a repertoire. But it deals with being honest with yourself and saying, Why this is the reasons why I entertain this so and I gotta change that. I gotta go to God's word and I gotta I gotta talk the Holy Spirit and 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 allow him to renew my mind that area to allow me to really recognize just how valuable I am, just how great I am in the eyes of God. That no matter what hate or negativity coming with you, neutralize it with positivity. But that positivity comes with you daily engaging the presence of God. Do not allow anybody's hate to debate who God has created you to be in your life. Do not allow people's hate bait you into debates and have you question who you are and then acting out of character. So practically get a sheet of paper and write down the hate that you're feeling, the negativity that's around you. And I want you to write down why is it really deeply affecting you? And then I need you to write down what you need to do to combat that. And I want you to examine scale to one to 10. How's your um, spiritual disciplines? How's your engagement with God? Do you really spend time? With, do you take time to worship? Do you take time to pray? Do you take time to get to know him? Because that helps with dealing with <clears throat> the negativity in this world. Great question. Elsa Jensen, what's going on? Jennifer Gillum. I'm jacking y'all's name. Please forgive me. Hey, how you doing? Co uh, Authentic Minds. Hey, how are you? I had a good day. I'm glad you had a good day, fam. I had a great day too. Today was a great day. Long day. <clears throat> Coach went to the gym. Uh, man, I had three losses, th three lessons, two wins. Um, but I, but I, but those lessons was learned by a good brother in Christ of mine, Andrew. So I don't mind learning from my brother. He got me buckets, but I told him I'll see him next Tuesday. But I got me some lifting in, lifting weights, and it was today was a great day. And, and um, I'm glad I'm here to serve you all. Lanny Lavender, what's going on? <clears throat> Excuse me, Vanessa. Hey, how you feeling? Oh, there yeah, I did it again. Lizzie Lewis says. 
Do you have advice on trying to stay focused on weight loss, stop stress, eating, etc.? Yeah, got plenty of advice. I went through it, lived it. Uh, my advice to you is, is to look inside of your heart because the reason why we gain weight is because we lost weight on the inside. The reason why we're gaining weight, the reason why we're overeating is because we lost a sense of identity. We lost a sense of uh, self-awareness and we have a lack of discipline. And it all boils down to how you perceive yourself uh, 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 uh perceive yourself <clears throat> in light of God. And so my advice to you is, is when you have something to live for, it's easy to lose the weight. It's easy to lose. And But when you lose identity and you lose intentionality and you lose um, the creativeness, the, the zeal, the passion, the desire to to, to work on behalf of God, when you lose sight of purpose, that's no need. To, when you lose sight of purpose, you become plump. You see what I'm saying? But when you gain a sight of purpose, you become uh, uh, in shape <clears throat> because you know, the, in order to fulfill a calling, you have to be conditioned. So what I need for you to do is to get a sheet of paper and I want you to think and process. First off, I want you to watch the entire video. I think it's an hour and 15 minutes of the last video I did on uh, how to discover your purpose. Those points in that video will help you really get within the proximity. I need you to sign up on a course. So you can download that worksheet because that worksheet will help you find uh, 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 will at least get you within the proximity of understanding your purpose. And then you will begin to process who you are in the presence of God with the Holy Spirit. And then you will begin to have a supernatural desire to fulfill, a natural desire to pursue purpose. And then when you recognize the type of person you need to be and the type of shape you need to be to fulfill that purpose, then you will have the desire, the want to, to lose the weight. But it all boils down to dealing with the insecurities in your heart. We gain weight because we lost weight on the inside. We lost sight on the inside. Insight is key. You have to look inside and look and gain sight of what is damaging your mind, what's causing you to be uh, uh, out of discipline, and then give that over to God and say, God, I repent for dealing with this issue. I repent for these habitual sins. I repent for all these different things. And the Holy Spirit, I welcome you to renew my mind. I'm releasing my will and I'm allowing you you to take the will of my life to lead and guide me into all truth because the truth will set me free. And, and I believe uh, um, that I will uh, get into a position to lose weight because the enemy knows those who don't desire to be their best will succumb to stress. And what does that mean is when you do not rest in God, you want to, you want desire to become your best. And if you don't desire to become your best, you'll find yourself stressed because you will begin to practice things that brings unnecessary anxiety on you. And then you're pressed because now you're entertaining things through idleness. Because when you idle, you begin to entertain or become intertwined with things that you shouldn't. And then when you act on those things prematurely, immaturely, then you then you welcome consequences in your life. And those consequences add unnecessary stress in your life. And now you got to deal with, with, with all these extra things that you brought in your plate. But God can redeem the time. God can redeem what the canker worm and what the worm try to destroy. And, and, and God can, can make it happen. But you have to understand, going through it, um, uh, it may be not difficult, but you have to go through it. And, and but the help of the Holy Ghost will be able to help you. Now, when it comes to stress, you got to look at what's on your plate. I have this quote that I posted a few days ago: "Only eat what God has placed on your plate." 
Do not allow the pressures of the world to push you into gluttony. Now, what does that mean? So many people are adding unnecessary foods to their plate, unnecessary um, uh, uh, obligations to their plate, and they wonder why they're stressed. Only eat what God puts on your plate. The world is going to try to push you to have a better car. And I saw a person online a few a few days ago. They just paid their car off, and they they was asking Facebook on um, what car should they get. I'm like, bruh, you just paid your car off. Don't don't that extra three to four hundred or five hundred dollars invest that back into your family, invest that into um, um eliminating debt. So most people, God done got you through, you done paid the car off, you done paid these different things off. But because you want to keep up with the Joneses, a family that doesn't exist, you start welcoming unnecessary things in your life and you wonder why you stress. So examine your life and ask yourself, what have I allowed to be added to my plate? And what can I live without that I don't have to do, don't need to do, and 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 really get rooted in disciplines? Discipline works best when when you remove distractions, and 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 you and decide and 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 discipline births well when you decide and when you remove distractions. You got to make a decision, and decision must be made after the after the awe of the divine and the awareness of your destiny. When you do those different things, you will find discipline birth and you begin to find stress subside because you will begin to find the beauty of resting in him. So what I need for you to do is I need you, I need you to look up scriptures on rest. I want you to look up scriptures on rest and I want you to meditate on those scriptures um, for the next, especially Psalms 23. I want you to process any scriptures on rest. Go to openbible.info type rest. I want you to find scriptures on that and process that and really allow the Holy Spirit to Use elbow grease. You see what I'm saying? Get that in you so that you'll be able to say, you know what? God's got it under control. I don't need this extra person in my life. I don't need these extra things in my life because I know God will fulfill in this time. Great question. Jennifer Gilman says, um, how do I stop having sex outside of marriage? It's such a strong bond. I pray and I pray, but I just keep failing. Um, prayer um, helps to a degree. Um, but, but, but you really have to process, um, um, the reasons why now, um, the reason why sex is going to be enticing and intriguing and a stronghold in your life is because the Bible talks about that when someone does any type of sexual sin, all other sins are sins outside of the body, but sexual sins are sins against your body. And so when you have sex, sex hurts you because now sex is, sex is more than just physical. Sex is spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. Many people just go into sex for physical intimacy, but they realize that that you have intertwined your thoughts. You will never forget that man's size. You will never forget how she did what she did. You will never forget the experience and you will never forget that. And the devil knows that. So what he does is he loves to tempt you into, into uh, um, a lack of self-identity, a lack of self-love, that you open yourself with people who do not honor and reverence God, who do not honor the character of God, who through their weakness lure you into a place of weakness that you fall. Weak men, I say this all the time, weak men and vice versa, weak men and weak women will bring people within their weakness to, to, to capitalize on them in that weak moment. So you have to be very careful and you have to look at your life and ask yourself, why am I more prone um, um, to, to, to fall into it? So what you have to process is, is okay, um, what caused this? What opened the door? What conceived this type of, uh, uh, this level of 
of of of of intimacy, this desire to be intimate with someone? Is it because you had issues with your father? Is it because of of an abuse? Is it because of a molestation? Is it because whatever what happened? And you have to go all the way to the beginning, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the open door. That's the root demon. The root demon will always open the door for the sex demon to come in. He will always open the door for the for the for for the uh, um, tempters to come. The greater tempters because if you don't deal with that unforgiveness, if you don't deal with that root issue, then you're gonna always fall into that sexual sin. So you can pray all day, but if you don't, if you don't look inside and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, push you to a place of truth, then you'll never be set free. Because what we often do is we try to treat the symptoms. Right now, the symptom is sex. The symptom is is the need for intimacy. But the source problem that's allowing these symptoms to flare up, you got to address that issue. So you got to go all the way back and deal with any unforgiveness to deal with any type of self-hate to deal with any type of insecurities those things are sins those are the, those sins have opened the doors for a root demon to allow your heart to be a revolving door for demons to come in and out and to deepen the tie deeper so how do i stop sex outside of marriage you got to honor marriage you got to honor yourself when you honor the things of god you'll live honorably when you honor the things of god you will begin to honor yourself because you'll begin to realize that in this contaminant state in this uh, uh, practice of sin, you're going to, you're going to be the reason why the marriage is going to break you. And so you stop having sex first off by repentance, by going to God and say, God, I repent for living a life that's impure. Holy Spirit revealed to me the root reason why I'm into this. And the Holy Spirit will bring up what may have happened to you at six, what may have happened to you at 12, what may have happened to you whenever, or it could be that you had a real bad breakup or you're dealing with rejection. It could be abandonment. Whatever that issue is, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to forgive and to repent of those different sins. And then when you take care of that root issue and you begin to walk in forgiveness and you begin to grow in the things of God and you begin to welcome accountability and you begin to take full responsibility for your actions, that's what you got to understand. I talked about this in the last Q&A. You got to understand, um, what was my phrase? You got to understand um, uh, responsibility. You have, ah, what's my other words? It was responsibility. Oh man, I forgot. It was responsibility, accountability, and uh, reliability. Reliability means I'm completely unreliable in helping myself. I have to rely on God's reliability. God, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I'm relying on you to help me because that's why I never advise people to act as if they have completely overcame a sin. That sin can creep back in before, without you even knowing. So every day I rely on the Holy Spirit to sustain me from any type of temptation, to sustain me from any type of aversion, to sustain me from any type of, of, of issues. That's reliable. Reliability. reliability then uh, uh, re leads to responsibility. I have to take full responsibility for my actions and my part in this. As I rely on God, I'm going to take full responsibility and look myself in the mirror and say, you know what? You're the reason, Josh. You're the reason why you're in this. So you got that responsibility will make you rely on God anymore. And then your reachability will come where you start reaching for accountability and the Holy Spirit will begin to bring the right people that will check up on you. But you have to look at yourself and, 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 and look at your identity and ask yourself, why 
life? Are you succumbing yourself to sin? There's something within that's causing you to fall into this sin. And you got to deal with that root issue, that root insecurity, that root inadequacy, and then move on from there. Because these men you're sleeping with, they don't care about you. Because if a man don't honor God, he ain't going to honor you. If the man don't reverence God, he's not going to reverence you. A person's level of reverence of God will determine how they how they act towards you. And any man that leads you into sexual sin, even if even if even if you allow them, a man of God would be like, I don't even want that from you. I want that. I don't even want that. I don't want that right now. Uh, and, and right now, you're just not you're not in a in a safe enough place to be with a man right now. You need to be with the man Christ. Just let him refurbish you, let him renew you and replenish you. And then reset you <clears throat> mentally, and so that when the right man comes in your life, you will be able to have a level of purity to be able to pursue um, that relationship. But you have to renew your mind. You have to change the way you think about yourself. To change the way you think about sex, and understand sex is a great thing, is a gift from God. But sex is only safe in a marriage where both the husband and wife are completely submitted to God. No other place is sex safe. Sex ain't safe in a marriage where one man, when a man is submitted to God and the woman is not. Uh, no, no, neither the, neither one of them submitted to God. Sex not safe. Even if you marry, sex still not safe because you're still going to be looking at women with lust in your heart, looking at men with lust in your heart, still doing. Doing things outside, y'all both have to be submitted to God daily in order for sex to remain pure in a marriage. But 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 that's what you got to change. You got to renew your mind about yourself, renew your mind about God, renew your mind about the root issue, and renew your mind about sex and intimacy. And then over time, you will see, wow, my mind has been completely changed, and I no longer have a a, 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 a sinful desire for that. I've been completely freed. I hope to help. Ross Gallup says, hey, coach, is it OK to think of a wife while I'm waiting? Also, how far should I think about a wife? Good question. Um, I wouldn't waste your time thinking about a wife because the only time Adam even thought of a companion was when his assignment was done. Um, only God knows when it's no longer good for you to be alone anymore. You have to uh, focus on God because the more you think about a wife, the more you open yourself up for idolatry, the more you begin to open yourself up to false expectations, the more you begin to open yourself up to get within a fantasy world. And then every time you turn around, the, when a woman smiles at you, you start, just, your mind goes right into, is she the one? That's too much of a distraction. Uh, you got to get into a place where God doesn't matter how beautiful a woman is if she crossed your path, you still she's attractive. Don't get me wrong, you're gonna you're gonna be attracted to her, but you're so attracted to God that her attraction fails it's if it, it fails in comparison to God because because you shouldn't even take time to think about your wife at all. You should be utilizing your energy to focus on the purpose God has for you, focus on the person of God. And, and focus on personal development. That should be where all your energy lies. You are blessed right now as a single person to be able to utilize that energy to focus on you, to focus on God, to focus on your purpose, and to focus on the people that God wants you to steward. If you keep distracting yourself about a wife, you will miss out on your life. And when you begin to focus on her, then your whole life will become imprisoned to her emotional desires, and you will just be a, a, a doormat to the wrong woman. What you got to do is you got to strengthen yourself up in God. You got to strengthen your craft. You got to straighten out your life through the help of the Holy Ghost and, 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 and fulfill your assignment. And then in the right time, you will begin to awaken out of your uh, uh, rest in God. And then you will be able to see the right woman that God has for you. So to answer your question um, right now, it's not OK to think about your wife. I know I understand there were moments in my singles where I thought about my wife, but I got so distracted by my purpose that, that yeah, you may you're going to have some tough nights. But when you really look at 
in the, in the grand scheme of things, you got too much work to do. You can't be distracted about your wife and you distracted from your life. Don't don't get so caught up in the idea of a person that you lose sight of your identity and you lose sight of the itemization of your ideas. So, hey, coach, it's OK to think of a wife while I'm waiting. No, uh, don't wait. Be a waiter. Wait on God. Serve him. Ask God what he like, how he like his coffee. Ask God, how can here am I, your servant here? Here am I, Lord, send me. That's what your motivation should be. You see what I'm saying? It's serving God. Don't wait because the more you wait, the heavier the weight of waiting becomes. But when you distract yourself by waiting on God and serving him daily and, and being available because the best of the best ability is availability, you will begin to see just how much you grow and the much you begin to deepen in awareness and your discernment becomes deep. And then you'll begin to realize, yeah, I'm not ready for a wife. I'm going to chill with God and maximize my life. So when my wife comes, I actually have something to offer her. Also, how far should I think about your wife? You shouldn't think no longer than 20 seconds. Yeah, you're going to have a thought. Give it Give it about two minutes. Give it about two minutes because you're human. Think of, get, get, get it out your system. Just think about it for two minutes. Set a timer. I'm just going to think about, oh, this be kind of cool if she looked like this. 30 seconds to two minutes and then get, get it out your system. Just get out your system because you're human. Get out your system and reset yourself and be like, you know what? God, I trust you. Anytime you think about loneliness, anytime you think about longing for a wife, um, get it out your system and talk to God. You know what, God, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with me. Help me with these desires in my heart and keep it moving. Great question. Andrea Love says, hey, coach, how can you overcome self-bullying? I have a huge problem when I feel like I'm not good enough for God. I beat myself up so much. Condemnation is torment. Fear comes with torment. There's a fear. There's a fear of, and there's two types of fear of God. Some people are afraid of God. That's the wrong type of fear. Um, the right type of fear is reverence. When you reverence someone, you still, like I reverence my wife. That don't mean I'm afraid of my wife, but I reverence her. Uh, and we have a great relationship, right? So when you reverence God doesn't mean you are like Jesus even said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friend. So what I need for you to do, I want you to look up scriptures that are on uh, being a friend of God, being a friend of God. Look up scriptures on that and really see that Jesus really said, I don't want to call you servant because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. I call you friend. And eat, But the thing, the tragic thing is, is that most of us don't even know what true friendship is. We don't understand the work that comes with friendship. And so when we lose sight of what friendship is and in this realm, it warps our view of friendship with God. And what happens is you will begin to try to live a life out of self-righteousness. You'll begin to live life being afraid of, of, of making a mistake. And then condemnation will be too much of a heavy weight on you. And then you will look at God through the lens of condemnation versus the lens of, 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 of clarity and it jacks you up. So what you have to do is under, you got to take perfection out the window. I was guilty of that. I always wanted to be perfect. And, and I realized I'm incapable of being perfect. And I, and what changed my mind was when God was gracious with me in the midst of a mistake, right after mistake, because of my position as son, because I appreciate his grace and I appreciate his love. When I began to recognize just how consistently good God is, and even though God is good, he's still chasing me, but it would, but that's why I love what the psalmist said. David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me because it comforts me because I know I'm not a bastard child. It comforts me because I know I'm in his family. So when he corrects me, he's correcting me out of love. So what you have to do is you have to look up the attribute of God's love and the attribute of God's mercy. And I want you to look up scriptures on being a friend of oh, God being a, uh, uh, 
us being a friend of God and really process what that means and digest it. You see what I'm saying? And then you will begin to, that self-bullying would get out the way. You got to throw perfection out the window. Allow God's grace to motivate a, a good life. Allow God's righteousness, your imputed righteousness on you to motivate and inspire righteous living. Righteous living and living a pure life is supernatural work, but it boils down to your mind being renewed on who you are to him and knowing that you're the righteousness in Christ, that you are son and daughter of his. And then when you begin to process that, you will begin to have this supernatural, um, 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 I wouldn't even call it remorse, but when you make a mistake, there will be a real solid, I hate sin. And I, and I, and, and, and you'll see the, 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 the damaging effects of sin, but the beauty of the divine saying, get up that bike. I know you scraped your elbow, but get on the bike. Let's get back on this. Let's keep going. So when you begin to process uh, the character of God and how he sees you as a friend and as he sees you as a daughter, then you will begin to, then that would allow the, the, the perfectionism the perfectionist mindset to wane and condemnation will suddenly subside because what I do is I have amnesia. Um, I heard that great quarterbacks, and I know you're a young lady, but maybe you like football, but they say great quarterbacks have amnesia. Great athletes have amnesia, meaning um, they don't allow their previous mistake to hinder the current um, uh, play. What that means is if I have a turnover, if I make a mistake in my life, I forget about it because I, I am fully aware of who I am in Christ and I know I'm in process. I know he's working on me. So I'm, I'm over it. I don't forgot about it. I don't forgot about what I did, what I may have done or whatever. And then the Holy Spirit will have me make it right. But I have amnesia. I'm not going to allow that to condemn me. So what I want you to do is I want you to write down the things that you do that makes you feel condemned. And I want you to look in, in accordance with scripture on God's righteousness, God's love and God's mercy. And that will help you. Don't beat yourself up. He took the beatings for you. Jesus took the beatings for you so you don't have to beat up on yourself. He lived the perfect life and got beat for it, got murdered for it. But because he is seated, because he rose from dead and is now seated on God, you don't have to beat yourself up anymore anymore. Accept his righteousness, accept his love, and allow the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to produce out of you a pure and righteous life. Sugar Mama, what's going on? Info me as much ASAP. How you doing? Hey, coach, should you lay all the cards on the table at first date? It's hard dating as a believer. How should a believer date? Great question. Um, a believer is only supposed to date two people. A believer is only supposed to date God and date themselves. You waste time dating other people when you have yet to date God and date yourself. You got to set a date on your schedule to meet with God daily, every other day when it comes to creative things. And you got to date yourself. It's crazy how many people go out there and date somebody else, but they don't even know themselves. That's the worst type of dating. So my advice to you is to, is to end the dating with men. You got to trust God with that because the more you date God, the more you date yourself, then when someone comes in your life, you will operate into courtship. You will begin to court that person because that, that relationship has been certified by Christ. Never entertain relationships that are not certified by God. Now, evangelism is something different. Um, associations are something different. But when we're talking about making a person a part of your life, 
in, a, in an intricate, intimate way, that relationship or friendship must be certified by Christ himself or you wasting your time. So believers should not date anybody else until God brings the one for them. In the meantime, the two people that you should be dating in your singleness is dating God. Now, what does dating God look like? Get a calendar and select dates where you got a place in your house, a place, uh, whether it's a, a park, whether it's a coffee shop, where you get a notebook in your Bible and you man, you sit with God and you spend time with God. You get to know God. You get into his word and allow the Holy Spirit to intertwine y'all two to get to know each other in a deeper way and date him, get to know him like, God, what do you like? What do you like for me? What, what's the burdens on your heart? How can I serve you? Date him. Because the more you become uh, in love with God and growing in love with him, the more sacrificially your love becomes with the specific or significant other that God's for you. You won't know how to love anybody until you love God. You won't be able to know how to love God until you allow God to love you. And you won't be able to love anyone until you allow the love of God to love you to cause you to love yourself and then you will be able to rightly divide your love to other people. And then you will be um, limited in giving your heart to people because God has taught you the difference between giving people your heart and giving people your love. So the two people that you should be dating is God and yourself. Now let's break down dating yourself. Dating yourself means, you know what? I, I, what do you like to do by yourself? Um, date yourself may be like, I go to the gym. I, I like to go and treat yourself. Go, man, there's nothing wrong with you going to a restaurant by yourself, going to a movie by yourself, doing things by yourself and getting to know you and enjoy what you enjoy. Because you know what? When you get married and kids start coming in, you ain't going to be able to have those luxuries then. So singleness gives you the opportunity to enjoy what you may not have in surplus in a relationship. And most people, they waste their lives dating different people, never date themselves, and they don't even know themselves. And then when you get into a marriage, now you're imprisoned by somebody else's desires because you don't even know how to meet your own desires. You don't even know how to date yourself and love yourself. So my advice to you is don't date nobody. Believers, you have the greatest resource on earth, and that's the spirit of God. He is the greatest matchmaker of all time. I, You shouldn't want a match made on earth. You should want a match made in heaven. God is good. God doesn't need your help in finding someone. You going out there dating somebody without divine <clears throat> permission is pride. And you telling God, I can do this better than you or it's insecurities, low self-esteem. You're telling God, I don't need your help. I don't trust you in the area. So what you have to do is, why don't I trust God in this area? And then process why you should trust God in the area and utilize your time dating God and dating yourself. Hi, coach. Should you lay all the cars on it? So don't you shouldn't be laying no cars on the table with no man that God didn't send your way. You shouldn't lay no cars on the table for a woman God didn't send your way because people will have you fold. They'll have you fold your cars for their cars in their hand. <clears throat> the people, people, there's some uh, 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 car sharks. There's some poker people out here who know how to play the game. And you laying all your cars on the table and they begin to see, oh, oh, she done told me how, she done told me all about her insecurities. She done told me all about who she's upset with. She done laid everything on the table. He done laid everything on the table. Now that demon inside that person know how to manipulate you and utilize what you share with them in a manipulative way. And now you in somebody's bed. Now you in some level of compromise. And now you done find yourself with surrounded by consequences by a guy and you dating a demon the whole time. Most people out here dating are dating demons. 
You're not dating that person. You're dating a demon in that person that's manipulating you to be distracted by dating this person and you being distracted from dating God and dating yourself. So my advice to you and every believer watching me right now that's single, don't date nobody. That's pride. You're wasting your time. And if you don't like it, cool. Most people look at, hear me right now and be like, Josh, you sound stupid. Well, I hope it works out for you. But we're talking about those who believe in God. I'm telling you. <clears throat> It's best to utilize your time dating God and dating yourself and the rest will be easier because you learn so much from God and you learn so much about yourself and then um, you'll be all right. Hope to help. If you haven't repented, that's right. You got to repent. Turn away. Uh, Lanny Lavender, I got time for two more and I'm done. Should I throw away recent gifts a guy gave me if I'm trying to break a soul tie with him? I don't speak them anymore. They are blocked. Um. Uh, <clears throat> Now, out of the body, into the body, I cannot tell. I don't know if it's flesh or the spirit of God. It depends on how good the gift is. Okay, <laughs> let me stop. If, if, it, if it's a TV, <clears throat> if it's something nice, you know, you keep that, you know. But if it's something, I'm just joking. But if it's something that is that that causes you when you see it and you remember them in a deep way and it causes your day to be messed up, it's probably best to get rid of it. Uh, and so what I would do is, um, is... The fact that you block them means um, that seeing even seeing them affects you. So meaning that you might need to get rid of the gifts. You might need to put it in storage. If it's an that's good advice. If it's a good gift, it's a great gift, and it's an expensive gift, and the Holy Spirit is like, yo, keep that. Put it in storage. Put it out of your house so that you won't be able to see it. Put it in storage. Put it at somebody's house and so that you don't see it until you get into a healed state to be able to enjoy that gift without being affected by that person. But if it's a minor gift of small things, cars or uh, memorabilia things, things of, of memory, and then get rid of it. Burn it. Throw it away. Um, because the fact that you block them on social media, uh, you need to block them out of your house. You block them out of your house by either putting that item in storage or getting rid of it because if it, if anything is in your house that's not bringing peace in your house, you gotta allow you gotta piece it out. You know what I'm saying? You gotta say peace out to anything that's allowing your peace to be out of your house. So that's my advice to you. Should I throw away recent gifts? Yeah, throw it away. If it's expensive and it's good and it's good quality, put it in storage. Unless the Holy Spirit say get rid of it. And the reason why the Holy Spirit may tell you to get rid of it because demons are territorial. We don't know if he's been in witch work. We don't know what he's involved in. He may have put something on it that has gotten you tied to him. So if you see anything demonic and you feel a demonic presence with anything that's in your house, you get rid of it. Um, but if it's something that the Holy Spirit's like, that's a good gift, yo. Holy Spirit, like, yo, don't throw that away. That's good. That's good right there. You put it in storage until you get healed. And uh, and the storage that's inside of you about that person has been moved out. And then you can be able to enjoy that gift again. But if it's something that is is no need, then get it out your house. Because if you block them on social media, you got to block them out of your house until you heal. Last but not least, uh, hey, coach, what is your advice on choosing a Christian church home? Is there things I should look for that they must have? Great question. Uh, first off, you have to process um, that is nothing wrong with having church at home until God gives you a church home. Okay. There's nothing wrong with engaging with God. And even then you got to be very careful who you watch online. Everything becomes clear as you deepen your discernment. So my advice to you is, is I wouldn't even visit a church unless the Holy Spirit gives you unction. The Holy Spirit is very good at leading and guiding you into all truth. He's very good in revealing to you where you should go and what you should do. But what you should look 
in for church? Great question. Number one, you got to make sure it's a Bible teaching church, a church that's not caught up in emotionalism. Um, if their worship, if their pastor is a superstar, don't trust that church. If everyone keeps saying my pastor said or my pastor this, now you can find it in a good church, but when you find it is cult-like and everyone is treating this preacher as a superstar, chances are those congregants are up under a spell and that preacher is up under some type of demonic influence, knowingly or unknowingly, or that, that person's a wolf. Um, there's scriptures. I want you to look up scriptures on false teachers and you will begin to see the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. And the Bible lists certain fruits of a false teacher and uh, a, 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 a false church. Now, no church is perfect. Hear me close. No church is perfect, but there should be pillars in place to ensure that the work of God is operating. So number one, um, you got to make sure it's a Bible teaching church and the pastor is exegetical with his teaching, meaning that he is not emotionalized. He's not superficial. He's not shallow with the text, but he actually makes it plain for you to understand. He's a preacher, um, a pastor who is who you can see. Look at that man's wife. The wife will let you know everything about that pastor's life. Look her in the eyes. Look at her mannerism. Look at his children. Look at how, because if his family's not good, the church is no good. If the family's not good, the pastor's no good, and the church is no good. Because that man, the Bible says, you. the Bible talks about how can you take care of another, how, uh, I forgot, I ain't gonna make scripture. I ain't gonna try to make it up. But basically what I'm trying to say is if you can't, if you can't take care of home base, you can't take care of God's house. If you can't take care of your house, you're not fit to take care of God's house. So what I want you to look up is uh, Google um, um, uh, traits of a false teacher, um, fruits of a false teacher, process that, and do not go to a church where everything's overly emotionalized, the pastor's the superstar, it feels cult-like, and the messages are shallow, and there's no taught, there's no teachings of repentance, no teachings of, of what sin is, no teachings of the righteousness of God, no teachings of balance. See, most churches, they have a one-sided gospel. A partial gospel doesn't save. You need to understand the love of God and the wrath of God. You need to understand the grace of God and the mercy of God. You got to understand the love of God, the tender love of God and the tough love of God. That has to be preached. That has to be implemented. And discipleship must be normalized in that church. All that would be revealed. Now, there may be a great church that may be missing some piece. That doesn't make it a bad church, but the Holy Spirit will send you to the church that you're supposed to go to. But those are some of the things you need to look for um, that a church must have. It must have a man that is submitted. It must be a man that has accountability. It must be a man of one woman. It must be a man who, who doesn't have no uh, uh, vile and strong desires and passions. It must be a man whose family is thriving, not surviving. Because if a man's church is thriving, but his family is barely surviving, that's not a church to be at. So those are some things off top of the dome, but go to the scriptures for yourself. Go to Google, type in uh, uh, what churches should have and, and what does the Bible say a church should have um, and what uh, fruits should a pastor have and what should the culture be in a church. And then you should be okay. But it's okay to make your home church until God finds you a church home. Hope that helps. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm born again, man, with fruit bearing, with fruit, with repentance, birth from repentance. Um, all right, I'm done. Got to go. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I pray this message was a blessing to you all. Um, all these books are online that will help you for those who have soul tie questions. 
this book, The Purpose of Freedom, is a book that will help you with your soul ties and strongholds. This book right here, World War Me, is a book on uh, spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God. That book will help you with any of those issues. Um, this book, The Purpose of Singleness, we have a course that you are welcome to join us in. Lifework.teachable.com is a course that you can be a part of. We'll love to have you. Uh, we'll be getting to this book pretty soon, but we are already three videos in. It's free. Sign up today. We'll love to have you. Um, and this book's on dating prep. Um, it's a great book for dating yourself and dating the one that God has certified for you. And I have a children's book called As He Says. As if all these books are available on my website, I am unplugged.com. Um, the books are on Amazon. I have two card games, a, um, a scripture memorization game, and a game to go with my dating prep book. Uh, all that's available. Our mentoring program starts mid-February. So if you want to support us financially with that, we'll love your support. We're going to probably have 45 kids and we need to, um, you know, have their books and have their curriculum, have their food. And we need your help on that. Or if you just want to give and support what I do here, that'd be great too. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see you guys. I'm preaching tomorrow, so I won't do no videos. I got to preach to the, to the youth in my church. And uh, I'll see you guys Thursday, 7.30 Eastern time for the Purpose of Singleness course. If you can't make it, no worries. The video will be available on YouTube. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time.